What's going on, everybody? You're listening to a New York Giants episode of the Postgame Report. I am your host, JVB. So, the New York Giants lost once again to the Las Vegas Raiders, who were just as bad as the New York Giants this season. As a matter of fact, they fired their coach, their GM, their offensive coordinator. Now, unfortunately for the New York Giants, their interim head coach is beloved by New York Giants fans because it's Aaron Pierce. So for those of us that remember Aaron Pierce, he was a hard-nosed, no-nonsense guy. He was an intelligent middle linebacker. He had some flaws in coverage, which a lot of you know linebackers do. But he played his heart out, and he gave everything he had on every game for the New York Giants. So much so that he made one of the most impressive individual plays against the Green Bay Packers in the 2007 playoffs. So it was a frightening game because Aaron Pierce is a leader and he knows how to speak to players because he was a player himself. And of course, whenever a coach is fired and they have the interim coach going into a game, the entire organization is going to be fired up and the players are going to play way beyond their skill level for that one, at least for that one particular game. Now, it doesn't help that it was against one of his former teams and that the New York Giants are the New York Giants. You know, regardless of how bad their record is, they are still one of the pioneers in the NFL, one of the oldest franchise in the NFL. And, it's, you know, they're from New York, so every team is going to play hard just so they can humiliate New York whenever possible. And that's what happened. The New York Giants were humiliated by the Raiders. Daniel Jones tears an ACL. And we have to put DeVito back in, the rookie who threw maybe four passes against the Jets. But the biggest disappointment was, was the defense. Once I saw that the Raiders were able to march down the field with ease in their first drive. Now, that's not unusual. Most teams, they have a script for the first few series of a game. And usually they look super coordinated and they execute this script really well but as the game goes on and different scenarios occur and the opposing teams adjust to those to that particular script mainly on offense then the game changes but that wasn't the case for the new york giants because yeah the raiders had a script for the opening drive but it wasn't so much the execution, it was the ease that the Raiders <laughs> that the Raiders marched the way they marched down the field and scored. They used the running game to intimidate the Giants, which I was not expecting. You have a rookie quarterback. We all were saying that Wink Martindale was going to devised a scheme that was going to give this rookie quarterback problems. 
And just like they did with Zach Wilson for the Jets, they were going to take away the running game and force the quarterback to beat them. It didn't work out that way. Uh, the New York Giants could not stop the run. And then the rookie quarterback was looking like a freaking seasoned vet, looking like a high draft pick, outplaying DeVito, outplaying Daniel Jones when he was in there. And it was disgusting to watch. I was really disgusted with the defense. I, I was expecting to see a defensive matchup where both teams would struggle offensively. And a few breaks here and there, big plays with or, or special teams would determine the outcome and determine who would come out as the winner. I thought the New York Giants were going to win this game. And so did a lot of other people, as a, as a matter of fact. So offensively, the New York Giants get the ball, and they go for fourth and one. They don't get it in the opening drive. They tried the fucking uh, butt push or whatever, and they can't execute it. Now, Daniel Jones just got back from being injured. He had a neck injury for three weeks. This was his first game back. Why would you have Daniel Jones rushing in headfirst on a fourth and short? Which they got, by the way, and the referees, I don't know why the f Brian Dable didn't throw a red flag because Daniel Jones was past the first down marker, first of all. But the referees pushed the ball back and it was never challenged, even though in the replay you clearly see Daniel Jones passing the first yard, the first down marker. But why would someone, and Daniel Jones was off, obviously that's rust. You're out nearly a month, and your first game back, you got to find a groove, you got to get used to the speed, et cetera, et cetera. Plus, there's a report that Daniel Jones wasn't necessarily 100%, but he did get cleared to play. So why would... Daniel Jones run a quarterback sneak. Thankfully, he didn't get hurt. But still, the thought process was really freaking off. Now, maybe Daniel Jones, him being the competitor that he is, maybe he said, listen, I could do everything. And he did run for a first down, well, for nine yards. He was scrambling a little bit. But when you look at how he was throwing the ball, you can see there was rust and maybe a little bit of, of pain that he was going through or a little bit of stiffness. He didn't look sharp. Now, most of us thought, okay, as the game goes on, Daniel Jones will get warmed up and he'll start to throw better. Unfortunately, we won't know that because he got injured. I believe on the second drive, on their second offensive drive. Not only that, he gets injured. You could see he goes down weird on one play. I believe it was a second down play. He gets sacked because he tried to run around a blocker 
that was standing in his way. And then, according to the reports, during the timeout, he goes and, you know, like people say, walk it off. So he's running in the sidelines. He says he's okay. He goes back to drop. He goes, drops back to pass, and he just drops. He drops, and he's holding his knee, and a lot of people instantly, myself included, we were like, holy shit, that doesn't look good. It reminded me of when Phil Simms got injured against the Buffalo Bills. Same thing happened. He went back to pass. All of a sudden, he drops, and he's holding his damn Achilles. So, I believe that was 1990 or whatever. So, we lose Daniel Jones. And now, we have to go back to DeVito. I don't say his first name because I keep thinking of Danny DeVito, so excuse me. Now, DeVito obviously had more time during practice to throw some passes. And they did allow him to throw passes. But unfortunately, either the wide receivers were not getting open or the offensive line was allowing too much pressure immediately. Now, there were times there was two sacks where it was Daniel Jones dropping, two easy sacks. There was another sack where Danny, um, I almost called him Danny DeVito, and it doesn't help that Daniel Jones, <laughs> DeVito was running, and he was a yard short of the actual line of scrimmage. He runs out of bounds, and Crosby is credited with a sack. So out of the eight sacks, three were basically bullshit. So that's still five sacks. One was a safety near the end of the game. A safety goes free. And he's unblocked. He sacks DeVito. Another one, there was a middle linebacker who ran, you know, the, the line messed up their assignment. They allowed a middle linebacker to run right through the middle of the offensive line. DeVito was nimble-footed enough to dodge the linebacker, but then the pursuit got him. And it reminded me of the Dallas Cowboy game because it, it seemed like all of these defensive players were like, hey, I'm next. I want to rush the passer. Let me go in there and get a fucking sack. And that's not what I wanted to see. When you consider that our star offensive lineman, Thomas, was back, Pugh was put back at his guard position, the rookie JMS is uh, playing his second game back from injury, you put Bredesen at right guard, and then Evan Neal was back from an injury. Evan Neal had to go up against Crosby, and Evan Neal looked a lot quicker and actually, was, I was watching him closely. There were times he was, he was uh, up against Crosby, and he would stop Crosby's progression with his power. Now, Crosby is a relentless player. He just never quits. And, of course, he's going to beat any offensive lineman throughout the game because you have to pass. The Giants were down badly, and they had to pass. So that's... That makes things a lot easier for defensive players. 
So in an odd way, the offensive line looked more functional, especially when you have Andrew Thomas back. So DeVito had some time to pass. There were times he had a clean pocket. And then Saquon, Saquon Barkley was actually averaging close to five yards per carry. This was, he had, like, this was the, the only game where it looked like he had an easy path to good yardage. Like, there were times he wasn't even touched running past the line of scrimmage, which is something that I was expecting to see more often. I wasn't expecting to see Daniel Jones passing on the first freaking series on the first freaking play. Maybe they figured the Raiders will play the run heavy and force Daniel Jones to, pat, to, to beat them. And maybe the Giants on offense figured, you know what? Let's give them what they want. Let's have Daniel Jones warm up early in the game. And let's beat them with the pass. But unfortunately, it didn't work out that way. Jalen Hyatt, he had a few, you know, it was good to see that Daniel Jones tried throwing the ball deep twice to Jalen Hyatt. There was one, the second pass that he did attempt, Jalen Hyatt beat the cornerback badly, and Daniel Jones overthrew it. That happens when you haven't played in nearly a month and you had a neck injury. That happens. We all should accept that Daniel Jones is human. This is his first game back, and he's throwing a freaking... 50-yard bomb down the field with all of this chaos surrounding him. It's one thing to do it in, in practice. It's another to do it in live in a live game. So I wasn't pissed off that he missed Jalen Hyatt. It happens. What I was expecting was that they would try that a few more times and eventually get one. But once again, Daniel Jones was taken out of the game pretty freaking early and then DeVito also tried doing they did a play action pass Jalen Hyatt once again beat the double coverage but DeVito just underthrew it and one of their one of the Raiders safeties or whatever he was able to, to intercept it and even with that interception I was pissed off because I figured you know what at least DeVito is in a, uh, you know, he's trying. He is trying to throw it deep. He's trying to, the, you know, the offensive coordinator as well. They're trying to get Hyatt involved. I mean, not Hyatt, Hyatt <laughs> involved. And they're trying to freaking make big plays. I can't fault them for that. And I can't be mad at that. I would have been more pissed off had they once again had DeVito throwing screen passes on third and 15 and running Saquon all the time. At least they let him drop back and try to pass the ball. He did have a touchdown pass to Robinson. Robinson. He had another interception because Slayton went and tried to catch it with his body and it bounced off off him and into the arms of a Raider defender. So, 
DeVito, he's going to, unfortunately for Giants fans, he's going to be the Giants quarterback. He's going to be the starter for the remainder of the season. He has eight games where he's going to be the sole uh, beneficiary of having all the snaps in practice. The offensive line, as I stated, looks more functional. Unfortunately, again, Evan Neal injured an ankle towards the end of the fucking game. He was caught by surprise by Crosby, who put a power move, and Evan Neal stepped back and basically all the weight of his body just went on his ankle. And he just came back from recovering from an ankle injury on the opposite leg. So maybe we, we might not even see Evan Neal this, for the remainder of the season. And he was looking better. I'm not saying he was playing lights out. He was going up against Crosby. But he looked better. He looked more nimble. He showed some power. The running game was working. There were signs that this offensive line, if they all remained together, would be functional enough to provide at least solid blocking for uh, Saquon Barkley and uh, Daniel Jones. At least this is before the injury. So for DeVito, there's an opportunity for him to show that he can indeed be a solid backup for a team in the NFL. And I feel bad for the wide receivers. But now we'll see the importance of having Saquon Barkley as the main weapon. Because despite what a lot of people want to tell you, Daniel Jones and Barkley were a dangerous duo together. And there were seasons where Barkley was was still around, still healthy playing, and Daniel Jones was out. And the Giants still sucked. So we're going to see, right? Do we draft a quarterback if we have the opportunity? Do we sign Saquon Barkley next season? Is he going to show that he can do he can do more than he did as a rookie? Which is saying a lot because once again, there are different factors that need to come into play. The quarterback needs to scare defenses and unfortunately, we have DeVito and he's not going to scare anybody. The wide receivers may not get all the targets that we were expecting them to get this season. We don't have Waller. And we don't have our starting right tackle. Now, Phillips, he filled in and he did a decent job. So it could be a situation where the drop-off is very minimal between Neal and Phillips. But I'd rather see Neal so we know what we got for the you know, have him play, see if he progresses or degresses, and see if the right tackle is going to be something that we need to take care of in the offseason as well. It's another one of these years where New York Giants fans are talking about the damn draft even before December. 
the saying used to be that come December, Giants fans were talking about the draft. This was the first week of November, and we are already trying to figure out where the Giants are going to draft and who should they draft. It's another season of the same bullshit. The same bullshit. Offensive line play. Poor running, poor run defense. A lack of pass, pass rush. Now, given that, given the defensive scheme that the New York Giants run, they blitz a lot. Or they disguise, they, you know, they try to, especially with a rookie quarterback, against a rookie quarterback, they try to make it look like they're going to blitz, and then they just drop somebody back into coverage. So it'll be a defensive tackle, and you have a safety blitzing. So they're switching players around. And because of that, you are left with no choice but throwing a quick pass at an open area. And so it's very rough for Dexter Lawrence or Kayvon Thibodeau to rush the passer when they're releasing the damn ball very quickly. And unfortunately, the linebackers, uh, you know, I don't know where they were in the passing game, you know? (laughs) And it wasn't like they lit up the passing stats, the Raiders, that is. It's just that when they needed to make passes and they needed to get first downs, they were able to. And that's the frustrating part. They were rarely in a third and long. Rarely. So the Giants on defense did not do their part. They were not playing like the defense that was playing against the Bills, the Jets, the, the Commanders. They were nowhere near that level. They reverted back to week one and two when they let the Cardinals score 20 plus points in the first half. They reverted back to that defense. They didn't have a lot of missed tackles. So that Thankfully, that issue with the missed tackles, the embarrassment against the 49ers, hopefully we don't see that again. It seems like we might not. But it just seemed like that fire wasn't there. They were not matching the Raiders in the intensity department. And you could see it in their play. It was not good. It was not good. So. Going forward, what is it that I expect from this New York Giants team? (laughs) With what we got, and this is on a personal level, with what we got in regards to what we have as players and healthy players at that, it's the same thing that I've been saying since week one. I want to see the Giants compete. Whether they lose, that's one thing. But I want the opposing team to earn that fucking win. I don't want to see fucking Matt Crosby on the sidelines cheering like a fucking schoolgirl who just saw fucking Justin Timberlake take a piss. It was annoying to see every fucking second these guys celebrating. And not just Crosby, because he's a great player. 
But every fucking defense, you see them cheering on the fucking sidelines, patting each other on the back, saying, hey, you go. You go next. Go get yourself some fucking stats. I'm tired of that shit. It's embarrassing. I want to see, you know, you got Justin Pugh, who just, he's been with the team a little over a month, and he looks, he looks like the most intense player on the field, on offense. You know, JMS, he's a rookie, and he, he shows signs of, you know, never letting go of the block until the whistle blows. Like, he takes pride in doing the pancake block. I got to see that from the offensive line, from all five fucking players. When Crosby was freaking swinging at fucking DeVito, I was expecting to see one of the Giants linemen pick up Crosby and fucking body slam him. Be like, yo, what the fuck are you doing to my quarterback? Yeah, he would have got kicked out. It would have been a personal foul, but fuck it. (laughs) Fuck it. At that point, you're losing already. You might as well go out with some pride. Let the entire NFL know that, hey, we're a bad team, but you come at us, we're going to come at you twice as bad. Now, that's just me being angry. (laughs) Well, not really angry. More disappointed than anything, but you know, those days of, 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 you know, punching shit because the Giants lost, those days are long gone. And, and you know, it's not like I haven't gone through it in the last decade or so, so I'm used to it. You know, we've had some seasons where the Giants looked like they were back, and then the following season they stunk it up. So here we are. On defense... You know, like, Flot had a freaking very, very hard tackle. It was clean. It was, you know, Flot is a dude who's under 190 pounds, and he's flying out there making big hits. That's what I want to see from the rest of the defense. Like McKinney, Xavier McKinney, he's a talented player. We were expecting huge things from McKinney. Now, granted, it's the second year under Wink Martindale. And the year before, McKinney looked like a Pro Bowl fucking safety. But it was under a different scheme. As a matter of fact, it was under the same scheme that the the Raiders play because they have the same defensive coach. You know, former defensive coach for the New York Giants is the defensive coordinator for the Raiders. So... Each scheme requires different players to do different things. But McKinney has a tendency to open his mouth and do a lot more talking after the game than during the game. Like for a dude who is capable of being so physical, now granted he fucked up his hand last season in a freak accident, So that might have took away that aggression that we saw in his first two years as a New York Giants. But you can't be giving up 30 fucking points to the Raiders and then start talking shit in the locker room about the the culture and the coaches not listening to the players. You can't be doing that shit. 
because now you're starting shit and you're planting seeds that might harm the locker room in a very delicate season. Right now, the season is so delicate for the New York Giants, the locker room, the front office, and people will get fired. Not this season, but at the end of the season, we might not see some of these, you know, some of these coaches. I don't think, I don't think Dable is going to get fired, but maybe Kafka. I'm pretty sure the offensive line coach is out of here, and so is the special teams coach. So let's not even get into the players. You know, McKinney's a, a free agent, so he's not helping himself by being in the locker room talking shit, using social media to talk shit. So you're not going to have McKinney next season. I don't think they'll sign him. He might ask for too much money, and he might be. He might be back to that Pro Bowl level with a different defensive coordinator, which, with the Giants' history, that usually happens. So, there's going to be a big change. You know, McFadden is playing good at middle linebacker. You have Okurake. So, your two middle linebackers are pretty solid going forward defense on the defensive line you have Dexter Lawrence and you have you know there was one point in in a in a what was it first and goal the Raiders had the ball at like the two yard line of the New York Giants and the defensive scheme that the Giants were showing I'm yelling at the TV, like, why is there two defensive linemen and four fucking linebackers standing up on first and goal in the, in the goal line? And you know the Raiders are going to run. Uh, like, you could tell by my <laughs> the audible going up that it truly pissed me off. And my wife is like, calm down. I said, babe, but you don't get it. This is where you put your biggest fucking defensive tackles you know they're going to run. They only got a yard and a half. And they've been running on the Giants all day. And they're going to have four players standing up and only two defensive linemen in the middle. I was like, where do you think they're going to go? And, of course, they ran the ball in for a touchdown easily. So this scheme, you live and die with it for the defensive scheme on defense. You live and die with it. When it works and the, quarter, the opposing quarterbacks are confused and the Giants are getting sacks, not just by, you know, linebackers and linemen, but cornerbacks and safeties and causing turnovers, causing confusion. When that works, when it's working, we all love it. But when it's not, it's frustrating as hell. So, I don't know if we'll have a Dory Jackson next season. He went out with a concussion. He's always fucking hurt. Now, you can't do nothing about a concussion. When he injured his neck, that was not his fault. He was flying around. Somebody, one of, you know, a fellow teammate hit him. Not on purpose, but they just collided while making a tackle. 
So thankfully, Dory hasn't been out because of, you know, some ligament damage or something break, you know, something break it. It's been somewhat freakish incidents happening to a, a Dory Jackson. But he won't be back. I doubt the New York Giants will sign him. So you might not have Xavier McKinney or Dory Jackson. On the defensive line, you might not have Ashawn back. But then again, DJ Robinson, Davison, excuse me, he, you know, he showed some, he's showing some signs of being a capable starter. You're going to have Nacho back for another year or so. And, that's, and that depends if Wink is back. Because maybe he gets a head coaching job or he decides, you know what? I got offered a defensive coordinator position at a team with a fucking great offense and some really solid defensive players. I'm going over there. So we might not even have the same defensive coordinator, and then that changes a lot of shit on the defense. They might play a 4-3 and put Thibodeau as a defensive end. And then, you know, Dexter Lawrence goes back out of position because right now he's the best nose tackle in the game. So as a Giants fan, even looking forward, there's a lot of uncertainty. And I know I'm jumping the gun by thinking ahead. But unfortunately, this is where I am at as a New York Giants fan. Whether we draft a quarterback in the draft, those are never a guarantee. Who's going to block for him? Is Saquon coming back? Who's going to block for him next season? Is Slayton coming back? Chances are he's out of here as well. As at wide receiver, we might just have Robertson, Hyatt, Campbell. I believe is signed for another year. He hasn't done anything. <laughs> so yeah, I know I'm going off the rails. I I really don't have much to talk about when it comes to the Giants versus the Raiders. It was humiliating. It was frustrating, and it just solidified that the New York Giants season is over. <laughs> At the halfway mark, it was officially over. We have 18 games in the season now. And on the ninth game of the New York, for the New York Giants, the halfway point, they nailed it in. So they faced the Cowboys in Dallas. They lost to the Eagles, the Cowboys, that is. So they're going to be, you know, the old saying, they're going to be frustrated and they're going to take it out on the New York Giants, blah, blah, blah. That is a really, really, really good chance. <laughs> or, or that scenario is 100% positive that it's going to happen. But of course, I'm a New York Giants fan through and through. And I will say that the New York Giants will be competitive. Do they win? No. They're not going to beat the Dallas Cowboys. Would it be great? Yes. It would be nice, even if the Giants don't win another game this entire season. Well, 
Let me scratch that one. It would be nice if the Giants defeated the Eagles at one point in the next fucking five years. And it would be awesome if the Eagles are fighting for home field advantage. Now, the Eagles have lost only one game. So chances are the Eagles could coast the rest of the season. So right now they're the best team in the NFC, and they might not need any help with home field advantage. But I'm just saying it would be nice if there was a scenario where the Eagles, somehow they lose a few games, and the 49ers, and the Seahawks, you know, they're winning some games, they're, they're making things close, and the last game of the season against the New York Giants, it would be nice if the Eagles need that win, and the Giants become the spoiler. You know, they spoil things for the Eagles. It would be nice. Would be nice if the Giants go to Dallas, beat the Cowboys, and then beat the Eagles one out of the two games. So in reality, what I'm saying is that I would like the New York Giants to win four games, two of those games against NFC East rivals. The way... The Commanders are playing. They're playing better than the New York Giants. So even though the Giants got one more game against the Commanders, who they beat, one of the only two teams they beat, chances are that that Commanders team will have more momentum going in to their next matchup than the Giants will. I believe they play, let me see, it's Cowboys next week, or this Sunday. I believe they play the Commanders in two weeks. I could be wrong. So there's a big chance that the New York Giants will be coming off a two-game losing streak. (laughs) So either way, maybe the Giants beat the Rams. Maybe. Maybe. You know, the Saints are, are in, in, in the schedule, the Rams, the Commanders, the Patriots, who are pretty bad. But see, the Patriots, they do have a fearsome front seven. Not fearsome, because they did lose some players. But against this Giants offensive line, you know, <laughs> any team could look like the 85 Bears against this Giants offensive line. It's been like that all season. So I'm expecting that to continue. Now, once again, Andrew, Do- Andrew Thomas, not Jones, Andrew Thomas is back. That solidifies the left side. And Pugh has been playing pretty good. So if DeVito, and I'm assuming he goes, he's the starting quarterback the rest of the season. If DeVito doesn't have to worry about the left side, his blind side, that could make things a little easier for him in processing and trying to find somebody open. The thing is, you know, the Giants wide receivers aren't getting open unless it's Jalen Hyatt going deep. And, you know, DeVito has to prove that he can throw deep and accurately as well. So there's a lot of uncertainty, 
still remaining for the rest of this season. And then even thinking about next season, there's still a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of work that this front office needs to do. Ownership. Are they going to remain patient with Shane and Dable? Are they going to force the front office? Now, there's, there's this big narrative that, you know, the front, the, the owners wanted Jones back and forced Dable and Joe Shane to accept that and bring him and bring Jones back. That's some conspiracy theory shit. Like, what general manager in their right mind would want to come work under those conditions? So, I don't believe that. I don't believe that one fucking bit. What I am upset about with the front office is that they didn't give Daniel Jones the tag and let him play one more year in another prove-it situation instead of paying him all that money. Now look, in a few years, Daniel Jones' contract is going to look really reasonable because quarterbacks are getting paid ridiculous amounts of money. Wait till Joe Burrow gets paid. <sighs> That's going to be crazy. So his contract's not going to look that bad. You know, there's a lot of people hating on Daniel Jones just because he got paid, but that's not his fault. He did what he had to do. The agents for Daniel Jones and Joe Shane, they did their negotiations. It's not Daniel Jones who went in there and said, give me this fucking contract. No, it wasn't. People are pissed off that Saquon Barkley didn't get paid more because of Daniel Jones. Did Saquon Barkley miss games? Yes, he did. Is he winning us games? No, he is not. <laughs> and he's going to be 28. And he, he is already beaten up. And he is dependent on how the offensive line and how, how defenses play the wide receivers. He is dependent on a lot of shit. I mean, that's, it's a team game. That's... That's why you have 11 players on offense. So people are mad at the wrong people. And now there's people making fun of, you know, oh, that's a $20 million ACO. Like, that's stupid. Like, here's another thing, and I'm going to rant about the same bullshit content creators that are on social media, mainly Twitter and YouTube. So I'm going to rant about these fuckers again. These people continue to say that they are knowledgeable New York Giants fans. But yet, when I go on a Twitter space to see what they're talking about, what they feel about the game, what can we do to fix this issue? Well, not us, you know. I'm just saying that metaphorically, but what can the front office, what can the owners do to fix this situation for next season? I go in there thinking I'm going to get intellectual conversations about the New York Giants and, and coming up with a way where, where the New York Giants fans can come together and brainstorm and think of scenarios that's going to help this team going forward. No, every fucking time I log on to a Twitter space about the New York Giants or I click on a video on YouTube, it's the same bullshit about Daniel Jones. 
the same fucking shit since fucking preseason. And these people call themselves knowledgeable football fans. They expect all of the attention. They expect people to respect. They expect people to respect their opinions. And all they can do is echo the same shit for since the fucking summer. How knowledgeable can you be if all you can do is talk shit about Daniel Jones and his contract instead of focusing on the other major issues that we have? I've heard people saying, yeah, the offensive line is horrible, but he should still be able to do this. And And it's like, really? (laughs) How many quarterbacks can do that? And for those few, how many are in the fucking Hall of Fame? And how many times does a Hall of Fame quarterback comes around? So even when Eli Manning was here, who was an MVP for two Super Bowl wins, even Eli Manning was scrutinized and people wanted him out of town for the longest. And these same people are out here saying, oh, it's Daniel Jones' fault that this team is where they're at. It's fucking stupidity. You call yourself knowledgeable, but I heard one guy go on a rant on a space last night because, yeah, I like to torture myself and be in therapy sessions with my fellow Giants fans. At least that's what I'm thinking I'm going to uh, (laughs) do when I go into these spaces, be amongst fans. I hear this fucking guy going on a rant that I've heard him say like 20 other fucking times. And every time he says something, he goes, okay, there's something about that. Number one, I think of South Park, right? The fucking teacher that goes, okay. But there's another thing that pisses me off when I hear these fucking people say that. They start talking, they go into this fucking dialogue and they're pissed off and they go, okay. And it's like, you talking to me or who the fuck you talking to? <laughs> like, are you, do you think your mumbo jumbo is more important than everybody else that you have to fucking go, okay? When people say that, that's like saying, do you fucking hear me? Right? Or do you understand? And it's, and I'm hearing this fucking guy talk and I'm like, Jesus, man, if my phone wasn't away from me where I could turn off this fucking space, I would. So I had to listen to it because my phone, I was taking a shower, my phone was away from, from arm's distance and I had to listen while taking a fucking shower to this fucking dude going, okay, okay. Like their fucking words are so intellectual and so truthful that they believe their own fucking crap. (laughs) Now, I know I'm cursing a lot. I don't apologize for that, but I know I'm cursing a lot, so I'm going to calm down with that. But yeah, rant over. I'm not going to give these guys any more fucking time. Oh, I said I wasn't going to curse, and I did. So that means I'm going to wrap it up because here I am whining about another Horrible New York Giants loss. It's crazy. 
axed. Uh, you know, one of the few uh, Twitter accounts that covered the New York Giants professionally. I asked him, I said, how is it that every time we think the worst case scenario is behind us, <laughs> the worst case scenario happens again the following week? There's been three occasions where it's like, all right, it can't get any worse. Right? And it sucks when it, it's week one and you're already saying that. But after the Jets game, it was like, all right. We're getting Daniel Jones. We're getting Andrew Thomas, Evan Neal. Things are behind us now. We, we can only go but up. And then against the fucking Raiders, all hell breaks loose once again. <laughs> so, yeah. Knock on wood. Things remain where they're at. It doesn't get any worse. It doesn't get any better. But at least it doesn't get any worse. I can deal with that. And that means no major players get injured. Let everyone stay healthy and play as hard as they can. Let them play for their jobs. Let the coaches coach for their jobs. And let's have a functional remainder of the season. And that's that. So I'm going to wrap it up. You guys take care. Talk to you later.